Well, great are you, Lord, and hallowed be thy name. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven today. Lord, you alone give life. You alone are love. You alone bring light to the darkness. And you say your word is the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. The only safe path through this dark, broken, and hurting world is the light of the world himself. Jesus Christ, the word of God. And so, Jesus, you are the head of this church. You say what you want to say to your church today. Holy Spirit, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to respond to the word today. Increase our faith. Increase our faith and trust in the promises of God, in the word of God, in the hope of God, in the peace of God, in a joy in God, and in the life in God. Holy Spirit, guard my mouth from error and lead us into all truth today. Remove distractions from every heart and every home and say what you want to say to the church today. And Jesus, it is in your awesome, majestic, and glorious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verses 1 to 7, and the title of this morning's message is this, Hope for the Troubled Heart. Such a timely word for us today. Hope for the Troubled Heart. Hey, loved one, is your heart troubled today? Is your heart troubled today? Maybe with the weariness that you're feeling, and it's just starting to weigh on you. And there's an apathy starting to creep in, and a passivity creeping in. It's just a weariness and a negativity and the cynicism that can come out of that. Or maybe your heart is troubled today with fear or anxiety. Fear about the future. Fear about what's going to happen to your family or, or your kids or, you know, schooling or all of these things. And you're tempted and troubled with anxiety. Maybe you're feeling discouraged as you see the way the world is, seems to be going and, and as this pandemic and lockdown drag on, you're just filled with this discouragement and you're fighting for joy. Maybe you're filled with anger, anger that things aren't going the way you want. Maybe anger at God himself or anger at another person. Maybe you're filled with confusion. Like, what does all this mean? What? How do I live in these days? Or maybe you're filled and troubled with doubts today. Your heart is troubled with doubts, maybe doubting God's goodness, doubting God's promises, doubting his word, doubting, wondering if there's even any hope, and your heart is troubled with despair. It's easy to live in that place, isn't it, loved ones? It's easy to live with a troubled heart. And yet I want to encourage us with this right off the top today. There is hope, and comfort for your troubled heart today. And his name is Jesus. Amen? His name is Jesus. And his word today, just as it was for his disciples in the first century, his word for every one of his followers today, every one of his disciples today is this. Ready? You'll see it on the screen from John chapter 14, verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your hearts 
be troubled. Yes, there's a pandemic. Yes, you're feeling weary in this. Yes, this is going up. But let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If I could sum up what Jesus commands us to right there. Three commands in one verse. If I could sum it up, it would be this. Faith in Jesus overcomes the troubled heart. Praise the Lord. Faith in Jesus overcomes the troubled heart. No matter what you're facing, no matter what has happened, no matter what will happen in the future, faith in Jesus overcomes the troubled heart every time. But there's a problem today. It's a problem that you and I face many times every day and is the hindrance to this. And what's that? Unbelief. Unbelief. We battle unbelief in trusting Jesus' promises, don't we? We battle unbelief in trusting his wisdom, and we start to rely on our own or the wisdom of this world. We battle unbelief in Jesus' love for us. We battle unbelief in his goodness and faithfulness and sovereignty and power and so many other things about him. And what's the result of this? If faith puts our eyes on Christ, faith is putting our eyes, setting our eyes towards Christ. What does unbelief do? It takes our eyes off him. It takes our eyes off Jesus. And what's the inevitable result? We set our hope and we try to find comfort in other things to overcome our troubled heart. Some of these things include we set our hope in people. We set our hope in places. You've done it. I've done it. Maybe you're doing it right now. You're setting your hope in your experiences. Oh, if I can just live a certain way or do certain things, then I'll find hope for my troubled heart. We'll find it. Maybe you're setting your hope in food or having control over your situation as your unbelief is shown. And all of these things we must understand, loved ones, all of these things are powerless to help us. They are powerless to help us and will only lead us further from Jesus and deepen our troubled heart. And here's the truth we need to understand. It. It's our big idea, and we're going to unpack it over the rest of the sermon. Write this down. So important. Jesus offers hope for your troubled heart. You must believe in him. Hear him today. Right from verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus offers hope for your troubled heart. You must believe in him. And so what must we believe? That brings up the question. Well, here in our text, we're going to see two truths that we must believe if we are to increasingly know and live with the confidence in the hope and comfort that is found in Jesus that overcomes the troubled heart no matter what situation you're facing right now or you will face in the days Ahead. I cannot wait for this word. Let's grab our Bibles, stand to our feet, let's honor the authority of God's word and read this together. Ready? Let's go. I am the way and the truth and the life. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Well, Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How, how can we know the way? 
Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Such an incredible section of scripture. All God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, Christian, let not your heart be troubled. Believe that you have a promise. Believe that you have a promise, and that promise is heaven. See, Jesus has promised eternity with him, but here's the question we're confronted with and that we need to answer today. Are you living in light of it? Are you living in light of it? Let's get our context. Here we are in Jerusalem, and it's the Passover festival. Remember, it's a week-long festival, and here we are on the Thursday night, the day before the official Passover, the Friday. And Jesus is in the upper room. It's the evening. Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples, and he's having the Last Supper with them. And remember, he's just hours away from his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. He's going to be arrested later that night. He's going to be crucified the next day by the religious leaders. And this section of scripture is called the farewell discourse. Don't forget, John 13 to 17, all right? Up to and including the end of 17 is all this farewell discourse. But what's the purpose of it? Well, you see it on the screen. The purpose of the farewell discourse is that Jesus is preparing his disciples for his death and resurrection and preparing them for how to faithfully live on mission for him after his departure. After his death, his resurrection, and then his ascension to heaven, here he is unpacking how his disciples, how you and I today, if we are his disciples, are to live faithfully on mission for him. Now recall what has brought us to this place. Chapter 13, much of it was this prologue, getting us ready for the rest of the discourse. And, and there's some key events that have happened that have brought us to this place. Number one, in chapter 13, verse 21, Jesus has said that one of his disciples would betray him. And then in chapter 13, verse 27, we see that it was ultimately Judas. As Ju Jesus dips the morsel of bread in the, in the bowl and then gives it to Judas. So, the disciples are on edge about this. And if that's not enough, chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus has just told them that he is leaving. And where he's going, they can't come. And this is rocking their world. What do you mean you're leaving? Well, what he's talking about is that he's going to the cross. He's the only one who could pay the penalty for the sin of the world. He is the Lamb of God. But he's also going to heaven. And they can't come and follow him right now, but they will later. And if that's not enough, he's just said in John 13, 38, if you recall from last week, that Peter's going to deny him. This supper's getting awkward. Peter's going to die. We got denial. We got betrayal. We got what seems like abandonment of Jesus from his disciples. So put yourself in the disciples' shoes. We're in verse 1. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. It's pretty clear the disciples are troubled by all this. Now, the word troubled there, the Greek there means to stir up. You think of a puddle or you think of water and then you drop a rock in and get stirred up or you put your finger in and stir it all around. This is the disciples' emotional state right now. It's not nice and serene, like, okay, we're good. No, no, no. They are agitated. They are distressed. 
They are feeling anxious. They're filled with confusion and fear. Does that describe any of how you're feeling today or have been? They're like, what does this mean? What are we going to do? Jesus is leaving. Someone's going to deny him. What? Judas is going to betray What? And notice this. Jesus looks right into their fear. He looks right into their stress, just like he's looking at yours and mine today. And notice this. He knows their world is about to be turned on its head. See, Jesus knew back in 2020 that your world, my world, was about to be turned on its head. See, he knows this. And he knows the disciples are struggling, just like he knows you and I are struggling today. And he knows the disciples will struggle with what he's just said and what is ahead. See, he knows their faith and loyalty is about to be tested. And he sees their reaction. He sees maybe the discouraged heads, the drooping head of Peter, or the, the anxious eyes, you know, those facial expressions when you get anxious or fearful, the rest of the disciples look around. He sees their reaction, and he knows in this moment they need encouragement, and they need reassurance, and he offers them hope and comfort just as he's offering it to you and I today. What a great God. Amen? And I want you also to notice something else. Even in the face of his own death and the brutal crucifixion he's about to go to, separation from God. Notice what Jesus is doing. He's not seeking his own comfort. He's not like, hey guys, like come on, serve me. I'm the one going to the cross. Serve me. I should be getting comfort. You should be taking initiative with me. Notice what he's doing. Even in the face of the suffering, right in the middle of it, he's offering comfort and hope to those around him. I pray in this season, we also, in his name, would be offering hope and comfort to those around, even in the midst of what we're facing. It's a good challenge for us today, isn't it? And so look at verse one. He says, let not your hearts be troubled, but what? Believe. Believe in God. Believe also in me. The word believe there, he commands them two times in this verse. The word believe there means to have personal trust or absolute confidence. He says, bank on it. Bank on me. Absolute confidence and faith in him. Jesus is saying this right here in verse one. So powerful. Highlight that verse. Keep it on your mirror or in your car or in your kitchen or at your cubicle, whatever, wherever you're working these days, keep it there. This verse, verse one, Jesus is saying, loved ones, disciples, keep believing in me. Keep trusting me. Keep looking to me. Keep depending on me. See, belief in Jesus. Now, now, you may look at that verse and be like, well, wait, is belief in God different from belief in Jesus? No, it's not different. Jesus is like, believe in God. You've been raised up in the Old Testament scriptures to believe in God. Well, now believe in me because I am God. Belief in God, belief in Jesus are not two separate things. Jesus is fully God. All right? And so notice the promise. He's like, guys, you're going to be tested. Yes, you're going to feel weird. Yes, you're feeling anxious right now. Keep believing. Absolute trust. Let's go. And then look at the, look at the promises in verses 2 and 3. Watch this. So beautiful. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Another way to read verse 2, you see the superscript on the bottom there. Or in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
for I go to prepare a place for you. That's going to be important. And verse 3 says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you. Look at the promises. I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. See, so he says, in my father's house there, verse 2. What's the father's house? Heaven. A dwelling place of God. Heaven. And then he says there are many rooms. The word Greek word for rooms there means abodes or dwelling places for each of God's children. For every true follower of Christ who has repented of their sin and confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, he says, there is a place for you in heaven. Awesome. Be encouraged with that today. And Jesus says to the disciples here, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now let's get some clarity. Jesus is not speaking of here of preparing a physical room for them. Okay? You notice in verse 2 where he said, in my father's house are many rooms? The rooms are already made. And so Jesus isn't talking about strapping on his overalls and grabbing some drywall and some divine polyfilla and filling in rooms and making rooms for us. He's not talking about that. When Jesus says, I am preparing a place for you, he is speaking of how his imminent death on the cross and resurrection and ascension back to heaven is the preparation for their permanent dwelling with God. Awesome. Jesus is like, I am going to prepare a place for you because I'm going to the cross. And if I don't go to the cross, you will not be dwelling with God for eternity. That is awesome truth. And then notice the promises here in verse 3. He promises, he goes, I'm not going to abandon you. I will not abandon you. You will not be forgotten. Hey, wherever you're at today, you need to hear this. God has not abandoned you. God has not forgotten about you. And notice what Jesus says. It's not that I've forgotten about you. He goes, I'm coming again. There's the proof. I'm coming again. He's speaking of his second coming. And he will gather those believers who are still alive at the time of the second coming. And he will raise those who've died and take them to be with him in presence, his presence, for eternity in their glorified state. That is awesome news. Promise today. But live in the text. Notice this. Jesus says, little children, I know you're scared. I know you're fearful. I know you're anxious and discouraged. I know you're confused, disciples. I know your world is getting rocked right now. And you don't understand it all yet. I know it will be hard. I know your faith will be tested. And you'll be tempted to doubt me. You'll be tempted to think that I have forgotten or overlooked you. And you're going to be tempted to run to other things to set your hope in. But loved one, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. I am not forgetting about you. I am not abandoning you. I am with you. And I am coming back for you. You, child of God, have a promised place with me in my presence for eternity.
I love how Revelation chapter 21 describes the dwelling place of God with man in heaven for eternity. You'll see it on the screen. John writes this in Revelation. He says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. See, there's an, all these amazing things about heaven, but do you want to know what the greatest prize of heaven is? Jesus is there. Jesus himself is the greatest prize of heaven. Heaven is great because Jesus is there. And he says, you will be with me in my presence for eternity. You will dwell with me. I am coming back for you. I have prepared a place for you, child of God. You will be with me. And keep going. The verse is so good. Look, read the rest. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is coming. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, nor COVID, nor death, nor racism, nor anything else, no division, no conflict. Why? For the former things have passed away. The former things, the things of today, right now, will pass away. And Jesus says to his followers right here in the text and right here to all true disciples today, this is guaranteed for you. This is your future. You want to see what your future looks like? You want to see a future that COVID can't take away from you? You want to see what your future is guaranteed regardless if you lose your job or you have your job or regardless of what comes? Here it is right here. Here's your snapshot. Rest in the promise of God today, loved ones. This is guaranteed for you. And Jesus says, nothing can stop it. And he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me and live in the light of this day because it is coming soon. Praise the Lord. And it reminds me of one of my favorite worship songs, one of some of the lyrics so beautiful. I hope you'll be refreshed in them today. Jesus says, I am coming soon. This day's coming soon when I will make sense of it all. I will make sense of all that's going on right now. And every question you have will be resolved. Every one of them. And every anxious thought that you've ever experienced, every fearful thought will be left behind and there will be no more fear. There is a day coming soon when you will see me face to face. Live in light of this day. You will see me face to face. You will see the greatest vision of grace you've ever seen when you are standing before me. And in that moment, you will be changed on that day. All this struggle will cease. And you will see my glory revealed on that day. Oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. And when we all see Jesus, 
will sing and shout a victory because he has prepared a place for us. All hail King Jesus. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. Jesus has promised eternity with him. Are you living in light of loved one? Are you Are you living in light of it? See, here's the truth we need to understand from what Jesus is saying here. Heaven is hope's perspective. Heaven is hope's perspective. This is why Colossians 3, 1 and 2 says this. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Where's Christ? In heaven, in the presence of God himself. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are on earth. Live in light of the promise of heaven that is yours in Christ Jesus in your trials, when you are feeling fearful, when you are feeling confused, when you are doubting, when you are sick, when you are weary, when you're filled with joy, live in light of the promise that you have. Let not your heart be troubled, Christian, but believe you have a promise, and that promise is heaven, and Jesus is coming soon. Amen? And you will be with him, a place prepared for you, he has not forgotten you. He has not abandoned you. The question is, are you living in light of eternity and asking the Lord for the faith? Lord, increase our faith, just like we prayed to kick this service off. Increase our faith to view your situation you're facing right now, this circumstance in light of eternity. That from this, you would know Jesus' hope and comfort and peace and sustaining grace no matter what you face. And you may be here saying, well, how do I grow in this? I want this perspective. I don't want to set my mind on the things of this earth. It's going nowhere fast. How do I grow in living in the light of eternity and living with an eternal perspective? Hey, take heart, loved one. Here's where it all starts, ready? With this prayer right here. You genuinely mean this? This is where it starts. Jesus, help me to love you more. Jesus, help me to love you. And may that be our prayer every day. The first prayer you pray when you wake up in every single situation you face. Jesus, right now, in this parenting, in this conflict, in this job that I have. Listen, help me to love you more, Jesus. May that be our prayer. Help me to love you more than my sin. Help me to love you more than this world. Help me to love you more than myself. Oh, loved ones, repent. Repent today of all that you love more than him that is stripping your hope and joy from your heart that you have in him today. And you say, why is that prayer? Why is that prayer so important? Well, you'll see it on the screen. The more we love Jesus, the more we long for Jesus. The more we love Jesus, the more we long for Jesus. And the more we long for Jesus, the more we long for heaven. Remember, heaven is great because Jesus is there. He's the prize of heaven. 
We long for heaven. And the more we long for heaven, the more we live in light of heaven. The more we live in light of heaven. Oh, let's be so quick right now, loved one, to repent even right now. Pause this right now. Pause it and repent of those things that you love so much in this world that are numbing your hunger and longing for heaven, for Jesus. Jesus, help me to love you more. See, Christian, let not your heart be troubled. Believe you have a promise, and that promise is heaven. And with this, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because you have a path, a path that leads to life right now. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the question confronting us today. Will you follow him? Will you follow him? Look at verses four to seven. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? I just love the disciples, right? Doesn't it comfort you to know they're just like us? He's like, I don't know where you're going. What are you talking about? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. See, Jesus then tells the disciples that they know the way. The word for way there, the Greek word means path. You know the path to where he's going. Where is he going? His Father's house. Where's that? Heaven. And then Thomas, in verse 5, you see here, and I bet he's not the only one, he misunderstands. And he thinks Jesus is speaking of a literal physical path. All right, he says, how can we know the way? We we don't know the way. We need some directions here. We need the right map. And then in verse 6 to 7, I love this, just highlight these verses too. Jesus responds by giving the sixth of seven I am statements that we see in the Gospel of John. Now remember, this is important. Each of these I am statements Jesus gives to define correctly who he is. So to define who he is and to describe his purpose and person as the Son of God who came to save people from their sin. There's a lot of ideas out there today about who Jesus is and and we need to get back to who Jesus says he is and that's what these I am statements are these seven statements and each statement shows a different aspect of him all right and gives us a detailed picture of Jesus it's beautiful just do some study this week on the seven I am statements in the gospel of John it's incredibly refreshing and so here Jesus declares through this statement that he is the way, that is, the path to God. Exclusive, the way, not our way, the way to God. And he says he's the truth. What's that? The truth of God. He is the sole truth of God. And he is the life, the life of God. And no one can come to the Father except through him. If I could sum it up, Jesus is saying here, he is the exclusive path to God. He is the exclusive path to eternal life. There is no eternal life. There is no eternity in the presence of God except through Jesus. 
And this is why he says in verse 7, if you keep reading, if you truly know, he says, if you truly know who I am, not in your head knowledge, not just, okay, well, I know about Jesus. I heard him in a sermon once. No, no, no. This word know there, the word known, means intimate, personal relationship through him in faith. Not just head knowledge, but an intimate relationship. He says, if you know me, you will know God. You will know God. And you will see God. Jesus says to them in verse 7, you see me, you see God. You listen to me, you listen to God. You follow me, you follow God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now today there's a lot of ideas, as I said, about who Jesus is, right? There's a lot of things out there. Well, Jesus was just a teacher. Jesus just just a man. He's just a prophet. No, he's not the Messiah. He was a prophet, but he's not the Messiah. He's not the Son of God. Or he's created. He's he's a created being. Or he's just one of many gods. I'm gonna sure I'll believe in Jesus, but I'm gonna believe in these other hundred gods because I just want to make sure I've got my all my bases covered. You know, so I'm gonna believe in Jesus too. And we live in a world of religious pluralism today, don't we? saying that there are many paths to God. Many paths. The idea of an exclusive path to God, an exclusive Messiah, is intolerable in our society. It is intolerable, and it is offensive. Lots of people willing to talk about God, but you mention Jesus, changes the tone of the conversation. And this world states that there are many paths to God. You can get there through your efforts. You just clean yourself up and you just live better than the next guy. And then you're okay. You're going to get to God. Or they say you can take the path of your heritage to God. Well, if your parents were Christian, it kind of like through osmosis gets to you. And then you can be saved. And mm-mm. Or this world says that there are many paths to God because there's many religions and they all lead there. That's a lie. They'll say there's many other so-called gods and messiahs. And yet what Jesus, just read the text. What Jesus says right here demolishes the deception. And he uses the picture of a path to show them that only he is able to bring them from one place Their wickedness, the place of wickedness and sin and separation from God. Only he is the path that can lead them from that place into another place, which is in a right relationship with God. So the next time you go on a trail, I want you to look at the path you're walking on. And I want you to think, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only I can take you from the wickedness of your sin and your rebellion and as enemies of God and reconcile you and bring you into a right relationship with God that you would be his children. And how does he do this? Because he came, loved one. He came out of love for you and lived a perfect life as fully God and fully man. For 33 years, he came and lived that life and he died on the cross as the perfect sacrifice before God to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. He took all of the wrath of God and it was satisfied in him and he died. He died, was buried for three days and then rose again on the third day, defeating the power of sin and death, ultimately which is 
the greatest penalty of sin, death, separation from God in hell. Jesus defeats it. And now for all who repent of their sin and confess Him as their Lord and Savior, He gives forgiveness of sin and eternal life to them in His presence. He says, I have prepared a place for you. And this is why Acts 4.12 says, there's no other name given among men under heaven by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Awesome. What a Savior. See, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But here's the most important question of our lives right here. Will you follow him? Will you follow him? And if you're here, and you have never confessed Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you know about him in your head, but you don't have that intimate, personal knowing of Christ that comes through repenting of your sin, turning from it, and saying, Jesus, I believe you are the only way, truth, and life. You are the only way to God, and that life is found in you alone. Please forgive me of my sin, and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. That is your first step. And if you've never made that decision, you can make it today. You don't need to clean yourself up. You can't get there. He says, come to me. Come to me. And the Bible's so clear that today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And he says, today, loved one, will be the day of your salvation, and you will be with me. For eternity. Will you follow him? And make that decision today and, and email Hope Praise. Let us know as elders we want to care for you or, or text someone who invited you to tune into the service to say, I've accepted Jesus and we want to walk with you and give you some resources to help you take your next steps in growing in Christ. What a day. And that's available to you today. Will you come and follow him? And brothers and sisters, here's our question. Same question. Will you follow him? Will you follow him in faith today along the only path that leads to life, the life of God, that leads to God's peace, his hope, the comfort of God, the joy in God, the satisfaction in God, our fulfillment in God, the strength of God. Will you follow him along the only path that can overcome the troubled heart, along the only path that can overcome the troubled heart no matter what situation you're facing today. You have a path. Will you follow him? A path that leads to life. Where do you need to humble yourself, loved one, and repent of following or putting your faith and hope and trust in a different path? A different, quote-unquote, messiah of this world that can never give you what you seek and where are you living in disobedience and it is robbing you of your joy in the Lord and leading to an increasingly troubled heart. Where have you strayed off the path? Ask him. You're like, I don't know. Ask him. Say, Holy Spirit, what other so-called messiahs am I putting my faith in to try to overcome the troubled heart. And if you get low before him and he reveals that to you, which he will do, that's what he wants, be so quick to repent. And then will you turn from those things and turn to him and abide in his word, moment by moment, the way of God, 
the truth of God, the life of God, right here, through his word and call on his name, asking him for the grace to believe in him. Lord, increase my faith right here in this situation that you are the life, you are the truth I need to hear, and you are the way that leads to life and follow him at all times and in all things, knowing that you have a promise, the promise of heaven, that you have a path that leads to life. Christian, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, you have said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. What words of hope, what words of truth, what words of life. You, Jesus, are the way, the truth, and the life, and none come to the Father but through you. And I pray today, Lord, that we would be so strengthened and challenged in this truth that, God, you would look upon this church, Hope Ottawa, and you would see a people living in light of eternity, following the path of life. And we thank you for opening our eyes to see the truth and for all of those that have not made that decision to follow you. I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, have mercy on our soul. Lord, lead them to life that they would know the joy and hope and peace that they can have with you through the forgiveness of sin and be brought into a right relationship with God. May it be so. May it be so, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church family, will you respond? by standing with us in worship.